and welcome to Warsaw Bursting Perspectives, our continuing series of podcasts to help you understand key issues at the intersection of business and law. Today we will look at a very prominent issue these days, immigration, particularly deportation and removal, with Pankaj Malik, partner at the New York-based law firm Warsaw Burstein. Pankaj has more than 25 years of experience in matters relating to immigration. Her immigration and nationality law practice focuses on employment-related immigration issues and strategic immigration planning for U.S. and international companies in connection with the international relocation of their businesses and personnel coming into the United States. I'm Tom Mariam. Pankaj, one thing we've heard about constantly over the last few weeks and months, really, is DACA, D-A-C-A. What does DACA stand for? And more importantly, what does DACA mean? Um, DACA is an acronym for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And um, it's a program that was introduced uh, through President Obama via executive order that allowed, uh, and you've heard this word used prominently in the media, dreamers. Uh, Now, the dreamers are children of undocumented immigrants that came into this country um, illegally without proper documentation or without proper visa um, admission into the country. And um, they have assimilated and lived in this country for years and years in in certain cases, gone to school here, um, gotten their GED, uh, joined colleges, but they have no path to legalize their status. Now, the reason that this movement came about is because there's been a long um, understanding by the federal government and USCIS, which is the United States Citizen and uh, Immigration Services, that when a child is uh, has broken the law, uh, but they're a minor and they don't understand that they're coming into this country and they've broken the law by coming in without a proper visa, um, they're not to be held accountable for their actions of their parents. And since they've become such an integral part of our country and they've really assimilated and spent so many years here, there was a strong movement to allow them some path to legalization. And um, because of the opposition and because um, President Obama really was not supported by neither the House or the Senate, there could never really be any comprehensive immigration reform throughout the eight years that he was uh, in power. And um, this was a sort of a stopgap, a um, compromise that really didn't give them any path to legalization, but allowed them deferred action. Now, deferred action means um, that the government will look the other way and not take any action to remove you if if you've been illegal here, if you can um, qualify certain categories. And there's, believe it or not, even though there's talk of all these millions of dreamers, the ones that are covered by DACA are very limited in scope. It's not like any child that has come in to this country uh, and their parents uh, cross the border or enter the country illegally is eligible under DACA. How's that differentiated when you say that there are only a certain number? So um, there are certain criteria that you have to uh, prove that you fall under. Uh, one is that you were under 31 on uh, under the age of 31 on June 15, 2012. That you came to the United States before you were 16. Before basically, you were a minor child, and um, you have you have to prove that you have continuous residence from June 15, 2007 to the present. In addition, you have to prove that you were physically present in the United States on June 15, 2012, and at the time of your application. 
Um, the other thing is you have to have been out of status on June 15, 2012. So that means if you've come here and you've gotten temporary status under some uh, uh, law or some provision of the immigration code, uh, you are not eligible for DACA, even if you qualify under all the other categories. Um, and also you have to show that you were in school and that you, if you're, um, if you have been in school, that you're a graduate and you have a GED or you're a veteran of the Coast Guard or American, uh, uh, military forces of the United States, you cannot have been convicted of a felony. So none of the DACA's or dreamers are felons or have a criminal record because you just don't qualify. And, um, in, uh, you also need to be 15 or older to apply unless you're in removal or deportation proceedings. So if you're a 12-year-old and all other uh, categories apply, you can apply for DACA if you're younger than 15. And you're listening to Warsaw Bursting Perspectives. Today we're talking about immigration, deportation, and removal with Pankaj Malik, partner at the New York-based law firm of Warsaw Bursting. We've talked about how this has been in the news. Has there been a big increase in aliens being deported since the Trump administration took office a year ago? Well, as all lawyers like to answer, um, it depends uh, on how you look at it. Under Obama, um, an average of 20,000 deportations per month in 2016, as opposed to about 16,900 under Trump. But there's a reason for that. The numbers uh, can't just be looked at black and white. You have to go do a little bit of digging. Um, now, since Trump has become president, the over-the-border crossings and illegal entries have reduced dramatically. So majority of the, of the reduction of the deportations is because of, number one, that factor. And then number two, there's um, an increase of people being placed into deportation proceedings. So that means that uh, there are a lot of lot more arrests being uh, being uh, conducted. So a lot more undocumented aliens are pick, being picked up and put into ICE detention, ICE's Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and being prosecuted to be deported because aliens don't always understand or know this. As long as you are on the United States soil and you are in the country physically and you're physically present here, you're entitled to constitutional rights. So an ICE officer cannot just approach you, put you on a plane and deport you. There have to be legal proceedings. Now it's different at border patrol because if you're caught entering the border and you are undocumented, they have the right to remove you immediately without going through that process, and that's called expedited removal under DHS, the Department of Homeland Security. However, once you're on United States soil, and if you've been here for several years, it's a much longer, lengthier process to effectuate your actual removal from the United States. And more and more cases, almost 25% more aliens have been arrested under Trump and being put into proceedings. However, there's been no increase in funding to increase federal judges, federal employees that can actually prosecute these removals. So the cases are already so backlogged. For example, um, if I had an asylum case, somebody that had filed for asylum when they entered the country, for example, El Salvador. A lot of El Salvadorians are very concerned right now because the temporary protected status they had been afforded um, was uh, done away with by, by President Trump. So if you filed for an asylum and you're just getting your first court hearing now, the earliest date you can get for a trial 
before the government can decide whether you have a legitimate claim for asylum or not is 2019 or 2020. So that's how backlogged these calendars are. Last year, I had a client um, who had been in this country uh, literally since he was uh, eight years old. At this point, he was in his 40s. He had gotten into some trouble when he was a young teenager, 17, 18, but he was an adult when he was convicted. And that makes a difference on how the crimes are treated. And he served his time, and then he became, uh, you know, he had a green card. His green card was never taken away from him. He was a, uh, he started a very, very successful air conditioning company, million-dollar air conditioning company, services like some of the big hotels um, in uh, New York. And um, out of the blue, ICE came to his door and put him into detention. And uh, he has U.S. citizen children, a lot of uh, factors that we could fight his deportation and removal, plus the fact that his conviction was so stale, that it was so old. There were additional um, defenses we could raise to the deportation because of that. It took us three weeks before we could even get a bond hearing. So he was... He couldn't even get a bail hearing for three weeks because the judges were so backlogged. Pankaj, what documents should an undocumented person carry with them at all times? Okay, so that's a double-edged sword because um, undocumented um, aliens, if you're in this country and you carry proper documentation with you, like a passport and an ID, that can actually be used against you if you're picked up by ICE. So the one thing I advise my clients, if you're undocumented, Put your passports in a safe place. Don't walk around with your passport because the only thing that delays your deportation is the government being able to obtain travel documents to send you back to the country. Right now, it's minimum 30 days. Some countries, it's a much longer period of time, up to six months. So that buys an attorney that's trying to keep you in the country the uh, crucial time that's necessary to try to file the appropriate paperwork and try to see if you have a defense to the deportation. But you are required to carry some form of ID. So I would try to get a non-driver's license ID. There are certain states that allow you to hold that or any type of ID that uh, identifies who you are. And since uh, President Trump came to office, there's now a new um, a regulation that requires, if you're in a federal building um, anywhere in the country, you have to have ID. Um, a lot of problems have been occurring because throughout the country, if you're not, you know, if you don't look like uh, you're born here, if you have brown skin and you're, you know, you look ethnic, uh, citizens have been picked up and put into detention, put into removal proceedings and questioned to see, uh, you know, and required to prove that they're a citizen of the United States when um, really it's up to uh, the government to say that you, whether you're a citizen or not. Now, it's the flip is true. It's up to you to prove your alienage. Um, so I would recommend that if you're ever stopped, first, identify yourself. If you're a citizen, please bring that to the uh, authority, the officer's attention. And if you're undocumented, don't answer questions. You don't have to. You can ask to leave. They don't have the right to forcibly detain you. Ask for uh, the opportunity to call a lawyer. If you have a lawyer, if you don't, you should always walk around with a card in your pocket so you know if you're in trouble, you can reach out to that person. And don't sign anything. Um, a lot of times they ask you questions to negate any relief you may seek later on if you're in deportation proceedings. So if you haven't answered any questions and if you haven't signed any documentation, there's nothing in their arsenal that they can use against you. And they, this gives a lawyer like me who I would come in and um, a, a much, much broader leeway in appropriately setting up the defense. 
This is Warshaw Burstein Perspectives, the podcast of the New York-based law firm Warshaw Burstein. We're talking about immigration and deportation and removal with Pankaj Malik, who chairs the immigration practice at Warshaw Burstein. Elaborate a little more about what you can do to stop deportation if you find yourself in that situation. So there are, and, you know, we've been hearing news reports of uh, uh, people that have been in the country for 40 years with U.S. citizen families that are being deported. And my question always is, why haven't they gone to an immigration lawyer? Why haven't they had their case examined? If you're out there undocumented and you're concerned about your status and you're feeling vulnerable, you should definitely seek a consultation. I offer free consultations. And um, have the lawyer review your entire history in the United States to figure out how to defend your deportation and if you're ever put into proceedings and how, if at all, you can try to legalize your status. The problem happens is um, a lot of undocumented people, number one, are afraid to come up of the shadows. They're afraid to come out and seek legal help. They're afraid to pull their file from the government and are, are afraid to notify the government of their where, whereabouts. Um, but, you know, that's like a, a catch-22 situation. That's not going to help you tomorrow because if you do get picked up, the time is going to be so essential. If a lawyer already has your background, they already know what they have to do, you're protecting yourself. And um, unfortunately, there are tremendous number of clients that I get every day that have somehow or the other been misrepresented in the past and their cases have just been botched and ruined. I'm uh, representing somebody right now who um, was ordered removed in absentia. In absentia means without his presence because his lawyer told him not to go to his hearing in 2006. And um, he knew that there was a um, deportation order against him. And then in 2013, he went to another attorney who filed what he was supposed to file, but the content and um, the quality of the work put in was so substandard and shoddy, it was all denied. And so he had this deportation order pending against him for all these years. He has a U.S. citizen fiance who's about to give birth any day now. And um, he had uh, regular visits because um, ICE knew where he was, but he had to go in for his supervisory visits, and his lawyer told him not to go in to the next one. He didn't go in. He got picked up, and now we've been trying to get him out of removal, and then this is what happens. So you get picked up in New York. You get shuttled off to a detention facility in New Jersey. Now, we file the appropriate paperwork with the board, uh, which is the appellate agency that governs immigration court removal orders to try to reopen the deportation since he never had his day in court. And um, the board denied our stay of removal but did not even decide the underlying motion. Now what ICE did was transfer him to Louisiana where the Federal Circuit, Fifth Circuit is not as, um, I would say, liberal as the Second and Third Circuit. We can't do as much for them. And now by filing a series of uh, paperwork in Second Circuit and Fifth Circuit, we've managed to forestall and stay his deportation temporarily. And we hope, uh, and we've been told by the deportation officer that he's going to be moved back to New York. Um, so it's just this this uh, forum shopping game that DHS plays, and they try to move these aliens to these really tough uh, districts where you can't get the relief from the federal judges when you can't get uh, the immigration courts to uh, give your client relief. 
Thank you, Pankaj Malik, for sharing your knowledge and insights about immigration, deportation, and removal on Warsaw Bursting Perspectives. Pankaj, how can our listeners reach you if they want to learn more about how their immigration concerns can be addressed? They can reach me by my email, pmalik at wbny.com. They can reach me um, at my on my cell, 917-817-7660. And to schedule a free consultation, they can contact my secretary at 718-657-5755. Or please go to WBNY.com for other Warshaw Bursting Perspectives podcasts and for more information about the Warshaw Bursting Law Firm. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Marion.